This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Continues here on Whoa. the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So we're coming ever closer, inching ever closer to the Halloween of 2017. So, Derek, do you have any parties you're going to be at- attending this year for Halloween? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, well, when everyone's listening to this podcast, one that I I could go to will have already happened, but I will have been on vacation. So, um, I don't know if there will be like an actual party. They are doing a showing of Rocky horror at vinyl, uh, in downtown Pensacola on the 27th that I'm, I'm actually wanting to go to. Because I've become a huge fan of that movie, even though I didn't see it for the first time until last year. So that that might be my that might be my Halloween get together. So um, I, I have a, a party that I like to go to every year. I actually have two parties in the same night to go to. Uh, some really good friends decided to throw their parties on the same night. So we've got that to go to, and also uh, Tina and I our uh, marriage anniversary is the 27th so we have that oh, early congratulations for oh, that thank you uh we've got that to celebrate and then do you have any sort of halloween night traditions that you like to do um halloween night not necessarily um there are like movies or specials that i'll watch around the time of halloween but as yeah. far as the actual day itself uh not so much no uh, you, usually we, we don't really get very many trick-or-treaters around here, so I, that's not really something I have to worry about. Um, but I usually just, uh, we get some candy and we'll we'll get like a pizza or something and we'll watch uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original, um, and then we'll watch They Live, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And then I top the night off after Tina goes to sleep. I top the night off with Charlie, Br- it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. I have to oh, watch so that good. every year. So, and kids don't really watch that much anymore. Like kids nowadays, you tell them you're going to watch the Great Pumpkin, and they're like, "What is that?" I'm like, "That is a travesty." All the peanut specials are so good. So I, I'm good. a huge fan of all of them. You know, the the Christmas one I think is the most iconic, but the oh, Great yeah. Pumpkin is really good too. I love the Great Pumpkin. I usually watch it after Tina goes to sleep because she hates it. She thinks it's the worst really? thing ever. Yeah, she does not like uh charlie brown stuff oh that's unfortunate and half my halloween decorations are charlie brown stuff so it kind of drives her nuts (laughs) well maybe maybe halloween weekend i should uh come pay you a visit and just be dressed as charlie brown oh she would love that (laughs) (laughs) 
It's considered um, I, I married Lucy, like the the adult Lucy, basically. <laughs> uh, hopefully, she's not within earshot of you. Oh, she or knows. Listen- she knows. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, but let's go ahead and move into uh, the news for this week. I know this is coming a little bit late because we are recording this uh, a little bit early. We're we're pre-recording the episode, but I wanted to actually do this story because I think this is awesome. Uh, From RollingStone.com, Stranger Things gets a pixelated retro game. Uh, A few more weeks to wait until we can watch the next season of Stranger Things, but today you can download a Stranger Things mobile game that lets you explore Hawkins and its surroundings and glorious pixel art. Uh, Stranger Things, the game, includes seven playable characters, six dungeons to explore, and more than 30 quests to complete. Locations in the game include Mirkwood Forest, Hawkins Lab, and Jim Hopper's home. There are also Egos to find, two game modes, an unlockable trailer, and an update for the game expected to hit on October 27th alongside Season 2 of the show. Uh, did you get to look at the uh, the little YouTube video here of, of the game? Um, I did not. I'm looking at the the screen caps though, and the the look of it is just really, really good. It is straight up Super Nintendo graphics. Yes. Let me see if it'll play the music here. Oh, it even sounds like a Super Nintendo game. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I think I'm going to download this tonight, but I, maybe I shouldn't do it tonight because I actually want to go to sleep at some point. I might do it tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, the the whole Stranger Things hype dealing, you know, with the, the retro feel because the, the show takes place in the 80s for those who haven't seen it. The show was just so, so good because you truly felt like you were watching something that was made in 1984. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people out there that still haven't watched Stranger Things. Do yourself a favor and watch the first season, especially, you know, the season two for us is about to come out. By the time this episode drops, it'll probably already be out. I don't know what the date is that this episode drops, but it's either like almost about to drop or it's already here but season two is about to come out on netflix it's one of my most anticipated tv shows of the year i can't wait until season two comes out i love the first season so much if you're a fan of anything 80s stranger things is right up your alley it is a complete homage to 80s horror movies pop culture everything and i highly recommend it Absolutely. No, Stranger Things is next to it. I think when it comes to Netflix originals, it's for sure in the top three. I, I don't know what number one would be, but it's definitely up there with like to me, Glow and yeah. the first season of Daredevil. Yeah, I can't wait for season two of Glow to come out. It seems like yeah. I recently got into the show. Uh, have you heard of the show called The Goldbergs? Yes. I love it. Don't know where where I've been on this show. I've started watching it about two weeks ago, and I'm in love with it. I'm like, why have I never heard of this show? It's something that was funny about that show is 
like yeah, me growing up a wrestling fan, whenever I saw the name the Goldbergs, I'm yeah. like, oh well, they <laughs> should have the wrestler Goldberg make a cameo, and he actually did on the the newest episode. He played like an overly intense football coach, <laughs> which he has the perfect look for. Yeah. So when I when I read that, I was like, that's so awesome. Yeah, I'm. But I've about, heard good things about it, but I've never watched it. I'm about five episodes in the season two right now, and I'm, dude, I'm telling you, it is the wonder years for our generation. Wow. It's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Uh, but the last thing about the Stranger Things uh, video game, it says, born after 1984, you might want to start with normal difficulty, which lets you explore at your own pace. Death isn't even that bad. However, if you've honed your skills on the unforgiving games of yesteryear, then classic is the soul-crushing mode for you. Completionist, collect all the egos and gnomes, Complete the full VHS library. Check off all the achievements. Who knows what secret characters or exclusive never-before-seen footage of Season 2 that they might unlock. So, Ooh. this sounds awesome. I want to play yeah. this right now. So do I. Oh, I might this... play it. I might. I, I'm definitely going to at least download it. I hope they put this out on uh, the Nintendo Switch. Oh, that'd be so good. That'd be awesome. Uh. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, let's see. In October 1st of 1986, Sierra Online releases King's Quest 3 to Air is Human. Now, Sierra Online, man, they were cranking out these like King's Quest games back in the 80s like it was nobody's business. I never played any of these. It was never really my cup of tea. Plus, I didn't really have a good computer. I had a Commodore 64 in the 80s. I didn't really have like a, an Amiga or anything like that. But I do remember that these games were just like, man, they cranked these games out in the 80s. Yeah, it, it seems like they did. Uh, I've I've heard of Sierra. I don't know if I've ever played any of the games but I'm just looking through the the Wikipedia and I'm seeing all these titles from the 80s and even even into the 90s they were still making stuff. And the thing about these uh, Sierra Online, uh, the Sierra games, the the Gold Box editions of the games, uh, those were the games that you could actually port over your characters from the previous game. So I think Sierra was the first to do things like that. Wow. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, also in October of 1986, that same company, Sierra Online, releases Space Quest 1, The Sarian Encounter. Now, I love the poster to this thing. It, it looks it looks a little Star Trek-ish. Yeah. But I love the simple black background with the stars, you know, inside the text. I, I I love the look of that. I've never seen anything from this game before. I've actually never even heard of it. But I like the cover art for it. But that just goes to show how many games they were pumping out from Sierra. Uh, like you had two titles out in the same month that were two complete separate titles. You had King's Quest and then Space Quest. And then they later on they were putting out like Police Quest and all that kind of stuff. So... Man, those people that worked at Sierra back in the 80s and 90s, man, they were busy little bees. Oh, for sure. They had no downtime. 
Uh, see. You uh, got the next one. Okay. Uh, let's see. October October of 1980, 1980, 1994, Killer Instinct by Rare was the first arcade machine with an internal hard disk. I did not know that. Um, I didn't know that. I, I've played Killer Instinct uh, quite a few times. Um, I, I was a huge Rare fan back in the day. And I, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but in case I haven't, I'll, I'll tell it again. Um, one of the things I remember from my childhood being a huge Nintendo fan, I had a subscription to Nintendo Power. So one random day I got, or my parents got in their mailbox, a VHS tape with Donkey Kong on it. And it was a behind the scenes look of the first Donkey Kong Country game. Now, that you may think that has nothing to do with Killer Instinct, but there is a post credit scene on that tape with the guy who was the host. Um, he walks by this door that says Top Secret, and he says, let's see what's in here. Opens the door, and it's this huge crowd of people that are yelling and playing this game. So the camera guy zooms in, and you can see two of the characters fighting each other. And then it cuts to Killer Instinct before the two are pushed out of the room. That's awesome. So that was like... That was like the first ever tease of Killer Instinct. Now, Killer Instinct is a good game. Yeah. You know, I, I still like um, like Mortal Kombat and even Street Fighter more. But Killer Instinct is still pretty good. I mean, it, the, the gameplay and the style is very similar. Um, but, you know, it, it's still a good game. I, I still recommend it. Well, I remember Killer Instinct. They used to hold tournaments at the, the arcade at the local mall. When I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager, actually, I think I was uh, 11th grade and I was it was around my senior year when they would hold these tournaments on the weekends. And I actually had a friend of mine, one of my best friends, worked at one of the retail stores at the mall. So I would travel up to the mall on Saturdays because he would take his lunch break and we would go to the arcade and he would always enter into the you know, the, the, the contest and he would always lose horribly. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he would last a couple of rounds, but he was always knocked out pretty quick because, you know, there were kids that, that would live in the arcade and play this game and were just ridiculously good at it. And, you know, it, I, I just remember that was always fun to, to go there on Saturdays when they would hold these little you know competitions for a killer instinct and, just, you know, just kind of hang out and watch people play. And, uh, you know, there were like cash prizes and things like that. So that was that was a pretty big thing to do back in the day. Yeah. Now, I I don't think we ever had any Killer Instinct tournaments here, at least not, you know, not that I can remember. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, Killer Instinct is is a pretty good game. On October 10th, 1994, ID Software releases Doom 2 and Dave D. Taylor creates a Linux port of the original Doom, becoming the first major game for the new operating system. That's crazy. Linux is still being used till today. People still use Linux. Yeah. Wow. No, this is one of those games, like I've mentioned this off and on, I never played Doom, but I can still remember my uncle playing this, because I would go over to his house after school until my mom got off work, Uh, and he would be playing like Doom, uh, Star Wars Dark Forces for PC, Mm -hmm. he was huge into PC games when I was a kid, and I I remember many times sitting there, never tried them, 
but I definitely enjoyed watching them. Oh, yeah. Doom was great back in the day. I used to play it in my computer class in high school, finish my work early, and the teacher would let you play games, and she just had this, you know, little sleeve of floppy disks up at the front of the class, and it was a mad dash between me and my friends to see who could finish their work first to be able to play either Doom or Duke Nukem. Yeah, it's also uh, Doom is also the the one movie that The Rock probably regrets making. Yeah, probably because <laughs> that other than the first person sequence, that was a terrible yeah, movie. Yeah, that was awful. I, let's not let's not bring that up. <laughs> uh, on October seventeenth of nineteen ninety four, Sonic and Knuckles is released. It allows a player to connect previous Sonic games to the cartridge, making Knuckles playable in them. I remember we talked about this last year uh, at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that I never knew that about this. And you explained that to me and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a really cool concept that I don't think had ever been done before up to that time. You know, Sonic and Knuckles comes out, you open the box and you see the the top of the cartridge opens and there's a slot on the top where you can plug in a Sonic 2. So you play the game Sonic the Hedgehog 2, but you play as Knuckles instead of Sonic. And then is for use for Sonic the Hedgehog 3 it creates like this one giant game called Sonic 3 and Knuckles where you can play as either Sonic by himself Sonic with Tails Tails by himself or as Knuckles and it's basically combining the two games into one to create just this one long detailed hmm. Sonic game which is awesome and I, I never beat Sonic 3 and Knuckles I actually never beat Sonic and Knuckles like the original one yeah that's but crazy. The the concept of it was really, really good. Yeah, that's like crazy innovative for back in the day. And and I don't know if it was ever done after that. I mean, it very well could have been, but you I know, I, I never anything, saw anything else like that. I can't think of anything that used that that sort of technology. Yeah, it, it was it was a really cool concept and it was really mind blowing at the time because we're you know, Knuckles was introduced in Sonic 3 as, uh, you know, as a villain character, and everyone loved him. Yeah. So, naturally, the next step was to make him a playable character. And you go back, and you know, people who there are people who love Knuckles more than Sonic. <laughs> so, to go back and be able to play as him in the old games it is a cool concept. Oh, yeah. Uh, and our last bit of this month in video game history... October 25th, 1994, Microprose releases UFO, Enemy Unknown, and the strategy game of the year, uh, Master of Orion. Uh, I've never heard of any of these games. Me neither, but the box art to UFO, Enemy Unknown is awesome, and I want a poster of that. Oh, that does look cool. That looks like like the cover of a book. It does. It looks like something like H.G. Wells or something. Yeah. Crazy. Sweet. But let's go ahead and uh, we'll talk about books right now, and then we'll go into the review for the night. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And I'm emphasizing that word free because it's the greatest four-letter word <laughs> ever invented. Yes. Um, some books, you know, that I would recommend, I've I've mentioned the, the various Star Wars books, uh, Star Wars Leia, Phasma, those are both out. Um, I think when this episode drops, we'll be getting close to the release of The Legends of Luke Skywalker. 
Um, other books I've listened to that I think are really good are Star Wars Bloodline. It really ties in the gaps between The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. If you like autobiographies, the book uh, Best in the World at What I Have No Idea by Chris Jericho is really good. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll love it. But it does just have some really cool, um, you know, funny life stories as well. Um, other books, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson's book Astrophysics for People in a Hurry is really good. Um, they, they have all kinds of cool stuff. You know, they've got mysteries, fiction, nonfiction, romance. Uh, if you're a gamer, uh, they have Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect, all kinds of cool stuff. There's no reason you shouldn't have Audible because oh, they yeah. have they have books that will appeal to everyone. Uh, and um, Ready Player One. I haven't listened to the audiobook. I want to, but actually it is on audible and you can get it for free and it is narrated by one will wheaton i'm actually going to download that right now yes i because that movie is <laughs> going to be coming out soon and uh i would love to listen to the audiobook uh, especially because i just heard the other day that will wheaton narrated it and i was like yep that's getting getting picked that's awesome but to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Tonight, we're going to be talking about... Seventh Guest, produced by Trilobite and originally released by Virgin Interactive Entertainment in 1993, is an interactive movie puzzle adventure game. It was one of the first computer games to be released only on CD-ROM. The Seventh Guest is a horror story told from the unfolding perspective of the player as an amnesiac. The game received a great amount of press attention for making live-action video game clips a core part of its gameplay and for its unprecedented amount of pre-rendered 3D graphics and for its adult content. Uh, the game sold over 2 million copies and is widely regarded as a killer app that accelerated the sales of the CD-ROM drive. Now, this game was one of the first games I bought when we actually got a a real computer back in i think it was 90 it was 93 so uh this game was brand new when we got our computer and i remember my dad uh took me to home depot at the time and let me pick out the computer we were gonna get and i picked out a hewlett packard with a, a whopping 256 megabyte hard drive and uh, i think 256 megabytes of ram and uh, this, and it came with two free games. So I got this and a game called, uh, what was it called? Flashback, which was also at the time was released on Sega, uh, the Genesis. But um, the seventh guest was, it blew my, it's the reason I'm bald. It, it blew my hair off when I played this game <laughs> as a kid. 
And um, I loved this game so much. I played it through, I think, three or four times all the way through. I loved it so much. I played the, I loved the puzzles, uh, just the the whole package of this game, like the story, everything. And it's basically just you're going through this uh, this castle. Um, it's not really a castle. It's more like a, just a really big mansion. Uh, and you're solving puzzles, and every time you solve a puzzle, you get another piece of the story. And these puzzles are kind of mind-bending, because lately, you know, I've been playing this game over the last few weeks, and I'm still not finished with it all the way through. Kind of been taking my time with it, but I have finished this game multiple times as a kid. And the thing that strikes me is, man, how the hell did I get through all these puzzles as a kid that many times like it takes me an hour to do one of the puzzles now and i get a migraine by the time i'm done because i just my brain just doesn't work that way anymore um but it's still it's really fun game yeah it definitely sounds like it uh one thing i wanted to ask you about like when you're when you're playing it like is it a is it a first person yes type game okay uh, you're basically it's a point and click adventure. You're you 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 don't really uh, you get pieces of the story as the game goes along. Like it starts off, and I'll read you here. Uh, this is what is told at the beginning of the game. It's got like this whole um, live action uh, you know narrative like movie at the beginning of it. That's about five minutes long, uh, and it basically it starts off. The game begins with a flashback to 1935 in the town of Harley on the Hudson. A drifter named Henry Stoff kills a woman to steal her purse, beginning a series of deplorable acts. One night, he has a vision of a beautiful doll, and the next day, he begins carving it. He is able to trade the doll for food and drinks and a place to stay. Stoff begins to have other visions of dolls and toys and crafts and sells these as well. Stoff becomes a successful toy maker and uses his fortune to build a mansion at the edge of town following yet another vision he had. At the same time, several children possessing Stoff's toys come down with a mysterious illness and later die. Stoff disappears into his mansion and was not seen again. Um, and you kind of start the game off, you're in a first-person view, you don't know why you're in this place, um, there's no one around, the, the whole place is empty, no, no one knows what, what has happened to Stoff. But as you progress through the game, you kind of uh, uh, you're the you're what's known. Your character is known as uh, uh, in quotes ego. Um, you're kind of a disembodied person going through this house, and you're trying to solve all these puzzles, trying to figure out what happened to all these people that were killed in this house, and um, trying to explain the story. I'll, I'll go through a little bit here. Uh, the mansion's deserted, but as Ego explores it, he has ghostly visions of events in the past. These visions all take place on a night sometime after the deaths of the children, where six guests were invited to the Stoff Mansion. Uh, let's see. Uh, the six arrived, but found no sign of Stoff or anyone else, but do discover a number of puzzles set up that give them various instructions. They came to learn that Stoff wanted them to wanted them to bring him the seventh uninvited guest, a young boy named Tad that had entered the house and a dare from his friends. The one that did so would be rewarded with their greatest desire. And of course, as it goes along, 
you know, the, the, the people sort of die off. They kill each other. Uh, and the evening became bloody as the guests began to turn on themselves and kill one another or become trapped in machinations set up by Stoff. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stoff at this point became a horrific creature having made a pact with an evil force that helped him to make the toys and cause the illness to the children. Stoff needed Tad, Tad's soul, which was the kid, the, the, the quote, seventh guest, the uninvited guest. Stoff needed Tad's soul to complete the pact. Uh, she, Julia turned over Tad and demanded her reward, but Stoff dissolved her with his own bile and then lashed out at Tad with a long prehensile tongue to prevent him from escaping. Uh, and it's at this point, and this is a spoiler at the end of the game, the person you're playing, the first person view, you are Tad, witnessing the events from that night over and over. Uh, previously, you were unable to help and you forget what happened. It's like you're kind of going through this loop. Uh, and it's pretty much just purgatory to be in this castle. And that's pretty much the story of the game. As you're explaining that, it makes me think of a story. Do you remember that old TV show, Unsolved Mysteries? Yes. This reminds me of a story that would be on that show. Oh, exactly. And it's got that vibe, too. The coolest yeah. thing about this game is even though this game is, what, 20... 24 years old at this point it still looks great i mean the the graphics on this game are incredible especially for the time and you can get this game right now for very cheap on steam i think i paid maybe three or four dollars for it i might have got it on a sale but i i can't see you'd be paying more than you know, five to 10 bucks for this game at this point, but it is well worth every single penny. Yeah. I'm looking at some screen caps right now and the, the graphics for that time are, they're really, really good. And another really cool thing about this game was the music. Um, the, the game itself came with a second disc and on that second mm -hmm. disc was, uh, was an audio track of it. It was the, you could put it into the regular, into a regular CD player and it would play the audio track. Uh, it was just one long, like uh, how long does it say? It was a, uh, about a half an hour long and it was just all the music from the game. And I used to listen to this CD all the time because the, the music in the game is so good. Uh, and it was composed by, let me look up, uh, uh, the in-game music composed by already leading video game musician George the Fat Man Sanger uh, and two live music recordings. The game, whose melody and various permutations and stylistic variations became the background music for most of the game, and whose lyrics were sung by uh, Cotton Mather vocalist Robert Harrison, were based on Stoff's twisted plot and the ending credits theme. Skeletons in My Closet, a jazzy tune with a female lead vocalist, Chris McKay, parts of which were used in the game as Julia's theme. A few years later, Sanger independently released an album entitled 7-Eleven, which was a little over an hour long and contained all the music from The Seventh Guest, this time on separate tracks, as well as its sequel, The Eleventh Hour. 
Yeah, I was looking at the the game list uh, at the bottom, and it, yeah, I did notice that it had a that it had a sequel to it. But the uh, this game sounds really intriguing to me, just based on the story alone. Like you you couldn't have even mentioned anything about the gameplay or what it was for or anything like that. Just the the story and and the music just sound really appealing to me. Like it, it sounds like a movie. It sounds like it plays out like a movie, too. It is. I mean, it's the closest thing you could get to actually playing a movie. Uh, you know, the the live-action parts are a little bit dated-looking. You know, they're very pixelated. It was, you know, because it was the early 90s. You know, we don't have 4K like we do nowadays. Um, but the, the other parts, like the actual, uh, you know, going through the mansion, the rooms... Uh, the puzzles and stuff like that. Uh, like there's one puzzle in particular uh, that's uh, called Bishops. It's um, it's a Bishops uh, game where you've got uh, four black bishops and four white bishops all on kind of a, a chessboard. Uh, not a full-size chessboard, but you've got to get all the colors on one side. It, it's kind of hard to explain into, unless you're actually doing the puzzle. Um, but I mean, they're pretty much just like photorealistic. I mean, it, it's crazy how rendered this stuff was for being 1993. Yeah, that is exactly what I was thinking as I was looking through the the screen cap. It's just the it, it looks like a game that was made, I'd say, a decade after it actually was. Oh, easily. I mean, looking at this game, if you were to play this game now and never knew anything about it never knew it existed you would think this game came this game came out like maybe around 2000 or later at least yeah but not in 1993 i mean it still blows my mind that they could do this sort of game in 93 yeah but no, it, it sounds it sounds like a really fun game. I mentioned this uh, the last I think it was when you reviewed Shadowgate. Mm -hmm. um, I never really got into the point and click games, but I, I keep getting sold on them every time that I hear about them. Well, if you're going to jump into one, I would say jump have this be the first one you jump into, uh, especially, you know, if, if you have a Steam account. It's a very cheap game to get. Um, and just going through the game, um, you know, there, there are certain walk. I did look up walkthroughs of the game and certain ways to play the game and go through it. Uh, it's not that, not necessarily that you're, you know, it's not like an on rails sort of thing. It's like you kind of have to go do certain puzzles first before you can move on to the next ones, you know. Uh, it's kind of that sort of thing. But um, but just you're it's a very slowly paced game. If you're looking for something that's, you know, <laughs> twitchy or, you know, fast paced, this is not the game for you. It is. And I'm going to admit there are times where this game is frustratingly slow, like moving through uh, different like the underground maze that's under the castle. It, Mm -hmm. I actually got to the point where I, that's one of the few puzzles that I actually looked up a walkthrough just to get through it. Cause I got frustrated to the point where I was like, I wanted to quit. And I was like, this just sucks. Like I, this makes me not want to play, but you can actually look up uh, a walkthrough and it shows you exactly where to go 
to get through that part to get to the the puzzles you actually want to get to because i'm not a fan of mazes i don't like it when there's maze and that's something they did a lot like back in the 80s and 90s was first person mazes and i'm not a fan of that so that's really the only part of the game that i don't like is the maze the underground maze part yeah yeah, but what, um, as far as a number score goes, uh, what would you give this game? Because it, it sounds like you you really, really like it. I really like this game. I think it holds up like crazy. So I'm going to give it uh, a 7.5. It's not perfect. It's it's still very limited on, on the... Uh, it is frustratingly slow at times. And um, sometimes the puzzles can be a little too difficult and there is actually I didn't even know this until I read the the Wikipedia page a little while ago because I forgot all about this um there's a way that um if you get caught on a puzzle yeah here it is um uh see for players who need help or simply cannot solve a particular puzzle there is a hint book in the library of the house the first two times the book is consulted about a puzzle, the book gives clues about how to solve the puzzle. On the third time, the book simply completes the puzzle for the player so that the player can proceed through the game. After each puzzle, the player is shown a video clip of part of the plot. If the hint book was consulted three times, the player does not get to view the clip. The hint, the hint book can be used for all but the final puzzle. So that's sort of a way to keep you from cheating too much with that book, I guess, is that if you use the book to complete the puzzle, you don't get that part of the story. I I actually like that. Yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, I, no, that, I don't that, even know that's, if that's I knew good, that back that's a good then. aspect. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know if I knew about this. I, I'm pretty sure I did. Um but because like I said, back in the day, there was no Wikipedia or, you know, there was there was the Internet, but there was no, you know, uh, looking up the seventh guest uh, walkthroughs. You know, there wasn't any there was like 10 Web pages in 1993. So there wasn't any, you know, getting help to play the game. You had to solve the puzzles on your own or like it says here have the the game solve it for you but you don't get to see that part of the story yeah but yeah i i love this game i recommend anybody if you're into the point and click genre it's definitely one that needs to be in your collection and like and like i said right now you can go get it on uh i know for a fact you can get it on steam that's where i i got it from uh, and I'm pretty sure you can probably get it on good old games as well. I haven't looked on there. Um, just for, for shits and giggles, let me look it up. Um, GOG.com. Let me look up the seventh guest. Just see if it's on good old games. The seventh guest. Yep, it is on good old games right now for $5.99, which is, I think is a great price for it. Absolutely. And I think it's about comparable to that on uh, on Steam as well. And like I said, I got it on a sale. So it's constantly going on sale. So if you have Steam or good old games, you can pick it up right there. Less than 10 bucks. I highly recommend it. And it's perfect for the month of October because it is quite a quite a spooky game. 
Yeah, and the, the cool thing with Steam is that they're always doing, you know, they're doing cool deals all the time. So oh, yeah. Even if it's not just for the seventh guest, they have all kinds of cool stuff too. Yeah, I love Steam, but I have to be careful with it because they do their summer and winter sales. I can really get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of stuff on my wish list right now, and I'm constantly getting emails like uh such and such on your wish list is on sale right now for $2.99 i'm like no don't tell me that <laughs> uh that's too good mm -hmm. but yeah um I, derek if you've never played this dude please if you have a computer with steam on it go play this please and let me know what you think about it it's funny, I do actually have a Steam account that I downloaded uh, several months ago, but I've not bought a single game from it. I, I've been wanting to play Cuphead because I don't have an Xbox, mm -hmm. because that game just seems like it's right up my alley, but I, I'll get I'll get the seventh guest as well. Yeah, and it's it's definitely, it's, it's a good time waster kind of a game, you know, it's not something that's, you know, you can jump on and just, you know, complete a puzzle. Uh, you don't have to, you know, it's something that you can take, really take your time with. You know, and and it's fun. If you like pu solving puzzles, you'll love this this type of game. Cool. But uh, but that's going to do it for our video game reviews for the month. Coming up next week, we have a surprise for you people. We're going to be reviewing a movie, and I'm not going to say what it is, but we do have a guest on the show. Mr. Wallace Phelps from the Pop Culture Palette joins us to talk about one of our favorite horror movies slash sci-fi horror slash sci-fi movies a moving picture if you will yeah a moving picture moving pictures <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh start to round out this halloween horror month um no just be sure to uh to check out the Derek diamond experience um new episodes come out uh every other thursday so i think uh, let's see when this airs, the next episode will be November 2nd, uh, which will feature former pro wrestler and multi-time guest on the pop culture palette and former nerd cave retro guest, Mr. Yes. Joey image. Joey image is such a good guest. And I love that. He loves coming on our shows because I love having him on our shows. And you can check out, you know, other past episodes as well. I've interviewed, um, Laura Hall from Whose Line Is It Anyway, Jake Plummer, former NFL quarterback, Jim Cummings, the voice of Darkwing Duck, uh, ju just to name a few. So just to, you know, if you want to check out any of those episodes, just search for it on iTunes, Stitcher, all other podcasting platforms, and you can follow the show on Twitter at D Diamond Podcast. And go follow me over at my other podcast as well, the Pop Culture Palette. Um, where we just kind of every week we talk about what it's like to be entertainers or creators and trying to entertain people. Uh, we have various guests come on all the time, uh, and we just uh, we would like you to come over and check it out at at PCP Show on Twitter and at um, PCPRadio.com is our website. So, Derek, let's go ahead and I'm going to play our music if I can find it here. I should have the stuff ready to go. <laughs> you know, you'd think I'd be a little more professional by now. Nah, if you good. would like to email us, we are at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We've got our own website at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter 
at NerdCaveRetro, and you can follow us individually on Twitter at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.